Cut. Oh, fucking cut. Now I'm gonna go buy, no, I'm, no, I'm gonna go purchase one. That's the problem. This this ain't for me. When I was like, you know, the background is mom and dad was addicted to crack cocaine. Okay. Right? All praises to the most high. Hi, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Doc Holiday Show where we love to uplift black men. Black woman, black teen, black child, black royalty, and I am joined by black royalty, the royal elder, my brother, Willie Gregory. Mr. Gregory, how are you, sir? Doc, I'm great. How about you? I'm, 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 I'm well, man. Now, if people that don't know, Mr. Gregory is a, he's, he's just a Nike big wig, man. Director of global, it's a long term. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's important. Yeah. yeah. Say, say what it is again. Global what? community investment. Global community investment and chairman of the board, Greater Memphis uh, Chamber. Chairman of the board of directors of the uh, Greater Memphis Chamber of Commerce. And a, and a thousand other things, man. Supporting the community. Yeah, yeah. Supporting our hometown. Our hometown. Now, now, Talking about Menfo, now I know you, Willie. I'm well, uh, 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 and before I start off, uh, let me tell you once again how much I appreciate all the support you've shown me. Not only me, but other young black brothers and young black sisters, you know, from, you know, just advice and support. Yeah. And, you know, and support, you know what I mean, and being behind us. So I want to tell you, thank you very much how much I appreciate you. I know about you, but tell the people out there. You know, a little bit about you, your hometown, where you're yeah. from, and a little bit about uh, your background. As I said, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I was born and raised uh, in zip code 38126, the poorest zip code in Shelby County. Maybe the poorest zip code in the southwest region. Uh, I'm a product of the Claiborne Homes Housing Development Area, uh, Booker T. Washington graduate, uh, Mississippi Valley, HBCU, and uh, did some time at the University of Memphis. It was Memphis State then. Um, but I'm just awfully glad to be here in Memphis, my hometown. Um, worked at IBM for a number of years and then left IBM and uh, been at Nike for the last 28 years. And what a joy ride it's been uh, because it's afforded me the opportunity to do what I enjoy most, and that's uplifting young people, taking care of my city, and making sure that, we, that they are on the right path. Doc, I always say my, my, my theory has been is that if you look on a fence post, and you see a turtle up there, you know that that turtle didn't get up there by himself. And so that's always been my motto is to do what I could to help young people that want to be helped and that want to listen. Uh, so that's what I've been able to do. Nike has afforded me that opportunity to do that here in the city of Memphis, uh, has made a huge imprint in what we do, how we do it, and when we do it. So I'm just awfully glad for young brothers like you that and I know your career. You played over at Farrell and uh, played for one of my best friends. <laughs> I got you. Go tell that story. Like, I, know, I already know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Doc, you know I'm going to tell I already that know, story. Man. I'm, I'm so, looking forward to it again. And, it's all uh, good. But you know, I, I, I look at you, and that's one of the things that uh, has really, really impressed me about you is that you've uh, come through some adversity, mm -hmm. and you never ever use an excuse. You always found a solution, and so I want to help young people. And I want to continue to help young people find solutions in their life. Well, the reason one, you're one of the reasons I'm sitting here because of black men like yourself that came before me and helped blaze this trail, blaze this path, and go through the things that you've had to go through, and that you, I'm pretty sure you're still going through it. I'm able to look at you know brothers like yourself and you know strong sisters too, and be like, man, you know they make it, they can do these things. Ain't no excuses. I I, ain't, I don't have any excuses now. 
I know the great work you do with Nike, but take us up to this point, like you said, growing up in Claiborne Homes, yeah. going to Booker T. Washington. Talk about that environment and how <laughs> tough and the challenges the challenges you had growing up in that environment. Well, you know, first of all, I'm from a single-parent household, um, and, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but if I could be half the man my mom was, <laughs> yeah. man, I'd be a great guy. <laughs> and uh, she just instilled hard work, uh, get it done, and most of all, to value people. Uh, a short story, uh, I wanted to be a thug. Yeah. I wanted to be, you know, a little guy hanging out in the street. But there's a guy by the name of Leonard Draper. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Draper. Who, 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 who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he took care of me. He told me, he says, boy, let me tell you something. He said, you going over there to Booker Washington, you go over there and you play your butt off. Uh, if I see you doing anything wrong in these streets, I'm going to run over you. And you know the killing part about that, Doc? I believed him. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't going to basically run over me mm -hmm. with his car, but I believed him. So I take that same theory into young brothers that I see uh, that may want to walk down the wrong pathway. Uh, it wasn't rough in the Clayman homes. It was like uh, each one teach one, everybody take care of one. Um, even the older guys in the neighborhood, if uh, you were out and school was in, uh, there was a truant officer by the name of Ike White that everybody used to say. And they used to tell you, boy, aren't you supposed to be in school? Don't you, you better get in school before I call Ike White on you. We respected them. Mm -hmm. um, it was a neighborhood thing. I remember we used to walk to the stadium. Uh, there was a, a brother named Oscar Reed that played at uh, Booker Washington, went on to play at the uh, Colorado State, went on to play, had a long um, career with the Minnesota Vikings, played running back. I remember walking to the stadium with Oscar to carry his gold shoes because at Booker Washington there was a tradition that if you scored four touchdowns mm -hmm. or got 250 yards that you got to wear the gold shoes. Well, I walked with Oscar. He, uh, he lived uh, where well, he was dating a lady to live in the Cleveland Homes, and I used to walk to the, to the stadium with him so I could get in the games free <laughs> and run up and down the <laughs> sidelines and play football during halftime. Yeah. Of the games, but it's those kinds of environments that I grew up in. Uh, I grew up in a place where uh, the next door neighbor, everybody knew everybody. I walked to school. I went to Alonzo Locke Elementary. Uh, Fred Jones, the founder of the Southern Heritage Classic, and I grew up together. Uh, Fred lived in the Claiborne home also. We went to Alonzo Locke Elementary. When we left Alonzo Locke, we went to Porter Junior High. At that time, Junior High went from the seventh to the ninth mm -hmm. grade. Uh, Booker Washington went from the 10th to the 12th grade. But we walked there. Everybody in the neighborhood knew each other, and everybody was held responsible. Uh, just because uh, you couldn't do something didn't mean that you couldn't learn how to do it. Um, I was a quarterback, uh, but there was a young guy that came in and played quarterback much better than me named Leroy Northley, set me on the bench. But I was determined to stay on the team, so I learned how to punt. Brother punter. A brother, brother punter. punter, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's how I went to school. Yeah. So uh, it's that determination that uh, I love to see in young people such as yourself. And I'm going to tell this story, Doc. You know, I tell it every time I yeah, see sir. it. Yeah, yeah, go you ahead, know, brother. You, 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 even before I knew anything about you, Maurice Knight is one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And he was coaching at the University of Memphis. And he was telling me about <laughs> this running back that he had named Doc Holliday that kept wearing him about getting the ball. <laughs> Said that when he first got there, you were playing fullback. Yeah, they had yeah, Stobart was had, had me all messed up. Coach. Yeah, had, had me all messed up. And yeah. so Maurice told Stobart that he was going to move you to tailback, mm -hmm. 
and he moved you to tailback. And I think somebody got hurt, or you had to go into the game or something. Well, yeah, I I, I hurt, I hurt, I broke my hand. Yeah. Then I I set out a couple of games, and I came back, and you know we had the little freshman who Stobart since Stobart was mad at me. Yeah. Because I told him I wasn't playing fullback anymore, so he was mad at me, even though I was the only starter coming back on offense. Then they put me in tailback. Okay. Yeah, yeah, then coach. Yeah. And so Doc, <laughs> you were wearing Coach Knight mm-hmm. about getting the ball. Huh? So Coach Knight told me, he said, "Man, I got this guy named Doc Holiday. He a good athlete." But he's worrying the hell out of me about getting the ball. He says, well, one game I gave him the ball almost 20-something times in a row. Uh, uh. And one of the times he come tapping his head and talking about he wanted to come out. And I told him, get your butt back in there. But the thing that impressed me is that he told me, he said, I made him stay in there, but he scored. Winning touchdown, Arkansas, man. Yeah. yeah. You never yeah. gave up. When the odds were against you and there was uh, adversity in front of you, you never gave up. That's what I want to instill in young people is that you were born black. Mm-hmm. And for 400 years, we've had racial prejudice. Yes, sir. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we've never been privileged. But what we have been privileged to have is family, community, neighborhood, and good friends. And we should take advantage of that. You know, anybody can have excuses, mm-hmm. but you want to look for the solutions. That's what I tell young people. Um, be self-taught. Uh, the young man that's doing this podcast. Cassie McGowan, ISL yeah. Production, yeah, big He's brain. He's self-taught. You yeah. know, I asked him, I said, well, what's your background? He said, well, you know, I worked at this robotics company. But he is self-taught, and if our audience could have a chance to see his equipment, they wouldn't understand what I'm talking about. So there is no excuse. Just because we are not privileged doesn't mean that we are not privileged because we are privileged from a higher learning upstairs. No doubt about it. Now, Willie, now I know you, Mr. Draper, salute to him, pulled you to the side, made sure you stay on, stayed on the right path coming up. But you didn't have to listen because I know plenty of brothers who cats tried to pull their coattail. They didn't listen. So it had to be something in you still because even though you have people like Mr. Draper that's trying to keep you on the right path and kept you on the right path, I'm pretty sure it's still cats in the hood, you know, like, hey, man, come on, bro. Let's, you want to be a thug? I'm going to show you how to be a thug. But what made you say, you know what, now nah, I'm going to listen to the to the elders and I, I'm not going to go this route? Well, Doc, it was kind of different. There were very few guys in our neighborhood that would allow you to be something that you're not. I wasn't no thug. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't no, you know, I wasn't no big-time gangster guy. Uh, I was a wannabe athlete. And so, because I didn't have a lot of talent, uh, but I had a lot of determination. And they would make sure that you use what you had when you went to school, your teachers, your coaches, your principals. Uh, and, and that's the thing that community that I think that we'll lose it, that we've lost now, um, is that we don't have that sense of belonging. Our young people come up now, you know, my sons went to East, one went to Hamilton. Uh, they weren't from that neighborhood. Uh, and, and, and it's the neighborhood, I think, that has brought people along. Dr. Willie Harrington, uh, we went to the same high school, mm-hmm. uh, same neighborhood, same community. It's those kinds of things that I think that, that can make a difference that we've lost and that guys like us, the OGs as y'all call us, yes, sir. we need to be able to help you all get back. But you got to listen. Now, listening is key and, and, and just... Listening is a skill. It's a skill. It's a skill. Great point. Now, as far as you're concerned, because I know Memphis, then you go to Valley, HBCU. Talk about the importance of us going to HBCUs because it was a point, at one point, they wouldn't let us go to the PWIs. That's why we, HBCUs, uh, 
popped up. Talk about the things you learned at there at, 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 at Valley and how that helped you. It was nutrient. You got nutrient. Um, you know, at, at then Memphis State, you were a number. Uh, nobody cared if you got up and went to class, you know. Uh, at a HBCU, you got that nutrient, and it prepared you to come out of there and to deal with the world of work. Uh, I went to high school for 12 years and never went to high school with a white person. Mm-hmm. I went down to HBCU, never had white people in the class. I didn't get that until after I entered into the world of work, but I was well prepared for it. Um, we talk about freshman English uh, being so tough. I had an instructor later by the name of Norma Griffin, and I'll tell you this story. Uh, she was an English teacher at Booker Washington, and um, my sophomore year I had her, and, man, she was tough. The first paper I got back from her, it looked like the American flag. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, she had read my it all through. And so I did get out of her class as a sophomore, got out of there with a B, but I told then Coach Charles Lomax, who was the football coach, I said, Coach, let me tell you, if you want me to be eligible, you're going to have to get me out of Miss Griffin room because <laughs> I drew her in the 11th grade yeah, too. Yeah. And so he said, okay, son, I, I, I'll see what I can do. So we're in class, and Coach Lomax comes by the door, and um, he says, uh, Miss Griffin, may I see you a minute? And during that time, all the teachers knew each other. She said, uh, and his name was Charles Edward Lomax. She said, Charles Edward, if you're coming back here to get Willie Gregory out of this class, you might as well keep on going. <laughs> Because he is not going anywhere. But the moral of that is when I went to college as a freshman, I could write better than anybody in the class. Uh, and that was a tribute to Miss Griffin. That's one of the things that I think that we're missing as, a, as young people now is that because of social media, so few of us can put our thoughts down on paper and articulate the meaning via a written paper. That's the thing that I think uh, is one of the holdbacks for us is that our young people need to know how to write. And they have to need they need to learn how to be taught because a lot of people like want to run from the, the tough teacher. And I tell yeah. people if a teacher is tough to you. I was one of them. Yeah, see, you know, and, yeah. and if a teacher is tough to you and if, if and I tell people if a coach is tough to you, that's a good thing because if a coach stops talking to you, he's done with you. So mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of not only young kids, some adults need to learn, man. When somebody's being hard on you, that means they see something in you and she helped prepare you on the valley. Now leaving Valley and doing you you know, playing football, that's why I, I salute you. you. You're a football player. I thought yeah. you, you be around basketball so much. I thought yeah. you just been a hooper your whole life. So no. the support and love you show as far well, as I, Well, I did hoop on a twelve man team, I was a twelfth man. You was 12 man. You was on the team, though, right? Yeah. I was there on you team. go. There yeah. you go. And that's the other thing, Doc. Mm-hmm. Team. Yeah. Uh, team has really helped me. Um, there, you know, Michael Jordan always said, "Hey, there's no uh, I in team, but there is in win." But the team concept now is the thing that's taken over in corporate America, anywhere else that that you be. No man is an island, mm-hmm. and so uh, the successes that I've seen has been from God above and the teams that I've worked with. Uh, I'm not that good. Uh, but people make me look good. Uh, you probably weren't that good a running back, mm-hmm. but your lineman made mm-hmm. you look good. You know, they cleared the lanes for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's the team concept that people need to look at and not so much as I. Now, going from college into the corporate world, how did you maneuver that? Because you said you said something very key that you didn't see a white person until you got into the bit. I was the same way. Even though I grew up in White Haven from Fairly, I didn't go to school in white people. Only time I saw him was police officers giving me a hard-ass mm-hmm. time. So when I got to Memphis State, 
being University of Memphis, I had teammates but I and coaches. I really didn't know how to deal with them because I was aggressive. I was mad. I was pissed off at them because I and it, it caused me some problems because I was always angry. Didn't want to listen to them. So how did you maneuver that? Learning how to move in that space, being a black man and seeing the racism, probably having to deal with it, but and asking yourself, is that really what I'm seeing or am I overreacting? How did you uh, maneuver your way through that? Well, you know, one thing about it, <laughs> we're not privileged. No, at all. And so you know going in that you're 40 points down. And so you're going to have to outwork uh, your white counterpart by 150%. And I always kept that attitude is that I knew I wasn't privileged. I knew I was going to have to do more than anybody else. So my mindset was, is that I'm going to outwork you. Uh, when I first started working at IBM, uh, they used to give out territory. Uh, I used to get to sell me 11 territory. Mm -hmm. uh, but I outworked them. Mm -hmm. And that's always been my piece is that uh, I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm going to learn how to cut meat. And I have always taken the attitude that I'm going to learn what I can, I'm going to burn that midnight oil, and I'm going to outwork you. What did you do at IBM, Will? Uh, I was a salesman. I, I was a salesman. Well, actually, I started off in administration, uh, later by the name of Audie Cunningham, told me, said, look, you need to switch over to sales. Uh, she was a mentor to me, black lady, smart as a whip. Uh, took me under her wing, um, uh, taught me a lot about sales. Uh, I left IBM as a regional sales marketing regional marketing manager for the Southeast region. And there were a lot of Harvard, Clemson guys, um, but I wouldn't let that hold me back. Mm -hmm. um, I stood up, I stayed up, burned the midnight oil, learned what I needed to learn, and did what I had to do. Because racism is going to be here. Yeah, you, you cannot use that as a crutch. Mm -hmm. They have always been privileged. You've not been privileged. But let me tell you something. I told you about that turtle. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been a number of white people that have really helped me mm -hmm. along the way. Uh, some of my, uh, and I know they always use this cliche, some of my best friends are white. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. when we said some of my best friends are black, I'd be yeah. like, all right, I'm looking at you. Yeah, whatever, yeah, man. Yeah. I got you, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, my mother used to always tell me, you treat people according to how they treat you. Mm -hmm. And so, um because they were born privileged did not mean that I looked down my nose at them. What that meant is that I tried to learn what they knew. Mm -hmm. Now talk about your toughest times. Because I know sales is it's tough, man. You get, you're going to get told a lot of no's. But any big challenges and obstacles. Because yeah. we've all, we all had them any point in your life where you're like, man, this I'm just, I'm just feeling like overwhelmed. Yeah, so here's the story is that um, I was a sales rep and I became a marketing manager. And every Wednesday – uh, all the marketing managers were gone, and I was the uh, office manager for that Wednesday. Well, come January, when it was time to cut out territories, again, as I told you, I got to 7-Eleven territory. So white guy told me, he says, Willie, they, office, uh, they cut territory out on the golf course. Of course, Doc, I didn't play golf, mm -hmm. but I soon learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, – it became that I got better territory. Uh, I was blessed to be successful. Uh, I had a good team of marketing reps that worked with me. Um, but the PC is, is that I learned what they learned, mm -hmm. what they knew. That's what helped me a lot. And I could have isolated myself and said, oh, man, I'm not going to do that. But then I wouldn't have been able to do what I've done. And I wouldn't have been able to help the people I've helped. 
because somebody helped me. And I always believed that somebody helped me, so I had to help them. Now, from moving from there to Nike, I mean, you've done some amazingly great things. And just looking at your title, I mean, you, you didn't got your hands on a lot of people and been around. But I always like to say they were blessed to be around you. Talk about your work with Nike and where you are now and, 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 and its origins and how it started and, you know, the building up to this point here. Again, it's a team concept. Um, I went to Nike um, and I met this guy named Howard White. Uh, they call him H. Uh, H at that time um, was the guy that was responsible to, for Michael Jordan. Uh, and if you know Howard, um, Penny knows him, everybody that's been at Nike know him, is that he is such a helping hand. Um, I was going to leave Nike uh, when the Grizzlies came and go to work for the Grizzlies. Here's another story. I'm just full of stories. I love it, man. So I took my family out to um, California for vacation. My first time that had ever got an opportunity to play Pebble Beach. So you're not supposed to have your phone on, mm -hmm. on Pebble Beach. But I had it on silent. <laughs> and uh, the first couple of holes, because at that time you had to have a certain single-digit handicap to get on Pebble Beach. But somebody in Nike Golf had got me on. After the first two holes, the caddy looks at me and says, what did you say your handicap was? <laughs> I says, what I said is don't mess your tip up. <laughs> so um, we're playing, and I could see my phone going off, and it was H. And I'm saying, he's in France, because he had told me he was going over to France for the Tour de France. And so I answered, he says, Dub, and that's what he calls me, Dub. He says, what you doing? I said, I'm on the golf course. I ain't supposed to be on the phone. He says, well, somebody want to talk to you. I said, okay. And the next voice says, hey, this is Buck. Buck? Yeah, Phil Knight. He says, I heard you're going to leave me. I says, yeah. He says, have you signed a contract yet? I says, no, I'm supposed to meet with him when I get back on Sunday. I was going to meet with this guy, Mike Gollop of the Grizzlies. He says, well, when you get back home, there'll be a FedEx envelope. If you don't like it, call me. When I got back home, true enough that a FedEx envelope was, have yet to call him. You loved it. You loved it. Phil Knight, the owner of Nike, for everybody who might not know if you don't know. Yes. He, he wanted me to stay. Mm -hmm. Well, then they came around and uh, they wanted to move me to Portland. I was going to leave again. Phil Knight told him, says, hey, leave him right where he is. He's more valuable to the company in Memphis than he would be in Portland. And so that's what I'm saying by um, we've all got – things that have helped us mm -hmm. and it's a collaborative effort between races i think that we got to get to and phil knight for all you that don't know is white yeah yeah <laughs> he is the founder of nike uh so that's a story that i tell all the time is that he thought enough of me to call me and ask me to stay those are the kinds of things that we've got to share those are the kinds of things that we've got to move forward uh, there are a number of people that I've helped to stay at Nike that was having a hard time. Uh, that's what I think that we got to do more of. But also, Willie, if you wasn't good at what you did now, if you wasn't a great person, yeah, Phil Knight would have been calling now. It, it, it's, it, he helped you, but he's like, hold on, in order for Nike to stay at the top, I got to keep me in. But, Doc, check this out. Mm -hmm. Phil Knight really didn't know me. Howard White yeah. knew me. And he, what, what, what do we call it when we uh, – he fronted for me. Yeah, vouched for you. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. for you. Vouched yeah. for you. Yeah. He vouched for me. He's a made man. Yeah, Phil, he's yeah. A made man. He took a chance yeah. on me. Yeah. 
And so that was 20-something years ago. Um, so it's all about how you treat people, how you help people, and you got to be able to help people. Uh, as your blessings come down, you got to share your blessings. You can't, you know, my grandfather used to tell me all the time, if your fist is balled up, nothing can get out, but guess what? Nothing can get in either. Now, doing what you did, you do with Nike and all those things. Now, I'm pretty sure, because this is an amazing story. I know I talk to you. Every time I see you, I always look forward to talking to you because I be wanting you to pour into me. So I just be quiet and let you talk. But uh, any lowest low points you've had, I, I'm pretty sure you've had plenty, but any low points you've had during this journey of where you are now? Because every time I see you, you got a smile on your face. You know, I, hell, I thought I thought you about forty five years old. You told me your age the other day. I was like, God damn! But that's what it is, though. Black don't yeah, crack. Yeah. But you know, any point where you was like, you know, this is this is hard right now. I mean, this is obvious what I'm dealing with, where I am. I feel like quitting, but I don't feel like I don't think you are the person who ever will actually quit. But have you ever been to a point where you like, look, man? Shit. Yeah, you know, there's been some low points in my career, um, but fortunately, my family and my friends have always built me up. Uh, I've got a play sister, her name is Carolyn Willette, and she'll see me down, and she'll call me the next day, and if I'm still down, she'll say, look, you were down about that crap yesterday. Yeah. This is a new day. They won't let you, mm -hmm. and that's what I want to do to people that are around me. I will not let you stay down, because if you stay down, it's easy to stay down, but it's hard to get up. And when you get up, you got to have your dukes up and you got to be ready to get back in there. And you cannot let people stay down that are close to you or that you don't know. I can't let my young people stay down because they are gifted. I think Roberta Flack made a record, young, gifted, and black. They got a gift. Use it. Uh, 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 you got to furnish them the tools for them to be successful. And if I don't, then... I'm not sharing my blessings, and I'm not giving back to what people gave me. And always remember that turtle. That turtle did not get on that fence by himself or herself. Somebody had to help them put up, get it up there. And speaking of helping again, you don't, you don't mind me telling a story Ooh. about that. Okay, now, as, as I say, a, a, a lot of people that know me, they know, but a lot of people that don't know. When I was, you know, at ABC 24, I was blessed to make it to sports director, but I had to deal with a lot of it's, it is what it is, yeah. man. Had to, to deal with a lot of non-privilege. I had to deal with a lot of non. That's a great word. A lot of non-privilege. Regardless of how hard I work, twelve hours a week, seven days a week, a lot of times, uh, doing you know all them shows I was doing them high school man. football. So I, wasn't, I wasn't getting paid any extra. I mean, I was out working everybody, and I had got kind of a little you know upset. But I was like, you know, the young people, young black people, and the older black people like seeing me on TV, so I'm gutting it out. But Getting to the story, we start. We did a couple, We did some high school football games. I don't know if people probably watch it on CW30, and we were looking for sponsorship. Uh, the general manager said, "Doc, you know Willie Gregory with Nike. I know Willie Gregory very well. You think he'd be interested in sponsors? I, I don't know. You can ask him." So I reached out to Willie. We're like, "Yeah, because of you, Doc, I meet with him. Tell him meet us at Steens in South Memphis. Great food, you know. Yeah, great food. So we meet. We 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 go to Steens. Me, Willie, the GM." Uh, the GM that got this presentation stacked together, he got it. He got it looking pretty, Willie. I don't yeah. even think you ever saw it though. He got it looking pretty. No, it's I in didn't. a folder. It's, no, it's in a folder, you know. So we eat after about an hour. Uh, he finally, you know, I see him fiddling with the folder. He about to slide it to Willie. Like, yeah, you know, this is the the package, the sponsorship package we want to do for the. And Willie, you know, Willie was like, look, 
Nike don't even really sponsor games because both teams may not wear Nike, so that's not something we'll do. But I mean, and I, I, I I'm so grateful because. But you looked at him. He said, "Just because you got docked, I'm looking at the camera. What's 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 camera on me? That's how he looked. He said he looked at him just like this. Just because you got docked, and he looked at me. We're gonna, I'm going to buy two of them packages. I ain't going to say how much they cost because Willie may not want, want me to say how much they cost, but he said, I'm going to buy two of them packages. Willie, and I, you, you never even opened the folder, man. Just the support that you showed me, and I, I appreciated that. And I always did appreciate you up until that point. So once again, I want to say thank you. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. But, I mean, you didn't have to do that, though, Willie. But what, Yes, what, I did. Yes, I did, Doc. You know, God didn't put me in that position or this position because I'm good looking. Well, maybe he did. That's <laughs> smart. But uh, yeah. if we don't pay it forward, somebody help me, Doc. I'm going to help somebody else. You're going to help somebody. Mm -hmm. Somebody else is going to help them. Cash is going to help somebody. We have got to get that mentality is that I is not a word that we want to continue to use. I means I will help somebody. And when we get to that point, then we're going to be okay. And we're going to get there. God did not have us here for this long to leave us alone. And we have got to carry his word and do his work. And if we continue to do that with young brothers like you uh, and, and older guys like me trying to clear the lane for you, there's a, there, there's a book called Clear the Lane. We got to clear the lane. Somebody cleared it for us. And that's what I'm all about is clearing the lane for those that want to come down the lane. Well, it's, it's, it's surely appreciated, man. I mean, and I'm going to tell you, all the sponsorship package, it wasn't, it wasn't cheap. I mean, I, mean, yeah. I was like, Willie, you, you sure you don't want to look? Yeah. No, I'm yeah. I appreciate it. But, Willie, Mr. Gregory. No, that's my father. I'm Willie. You Willie, yeah. Mr. Greg. Okay, I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Greg, that that royal elder. But anything else you want to add before we? I mean, I I just thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to be able to speak with you and how the people, you know, people in Memphis know you, but yeah. you know, YouTube is worldwide. It's forever, it's forever, ever. So you no, know, I just want to drive home the thing that we have got to help each other. Each one help one. Just remember that is that um, if there's something that you can do to help somebody. And there's a song that if I can help somebody along the way, that's what you got to do. You got to help somebody. As a race of people, we are going to get there. Martin told us that. Dr. King told us that. We're going to get there. But it may take us a little longer than anybody else, but we're going to get there because we're going to help each other. Willie Gregory, thank you so much. Doc, Royal thank you. Elder, I appreciate you, All Mr. Right. Gregory. Willie, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mr. Greg, I'm sorry. Willie, I'm sorry. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Doc Holiday Show, where we love to uplift black men, black woman, black teen, black child, black royalty, and you just were privileged to hear from another black royal, Willie Gregory. Until next time, yes. Thank you. Gracias. I appreciate you. All praises to the Most High because the Most High Lord God is amazing. What you cooking, Mom? Thank you, my brother. That was great, man. Thank Good. you so much, oh, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much, man.